The creator economy has seen rapid growth, largely thanks to software solutions like Patreon that are enabling for creators. As the creator economy grows, providers must be prepared for scalability issues and the challenges of maintaining and growing a software infrastructure and team that evolves with it. In this episode, I interview Utkaresh Srivatastva, SVP of Engineering at Patreon, about some of their strategy and approaches to these concerns. Utkarsh, welcome to Software Engineering Daily. Thank you, Carl. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Before we get into some of our primary topics, could you tell the listeners a bit about your background in software and how you first got interested in computing? Yeah, for sure. My earliest memory of computing is actually having an Intel 286 computer back in India while I was growing up and having Prince of Persia. And then at those points, like we didn't really have that much access to the internet and getting access to, you know, cheat codes through friends and trying to enter them in and figuring out how they work and running into DOS memory limits and being fascinated with why those limits exist and how how those can be worked around. And then my introductory programming class in eighth grade, we were using GW Basic, and it was really fascinating how computers could solve tasks that took us far longer to solve. So those are some of my earliest memories of computing, got more and more interested in it as I went through school and college, ultimately studied computer science at IIT and got introduced to just more foundational aspects of computer science. And it's been a great journey since then. What are some of the things about Patreon that made it the right place for you to make the next move? Yeah. So I've been involved in social media per se for some time. I was actually an early engineer at Twitter and I joined Twitter when it was less than 100 people. And I saw for the first time what having the power to reach an audience, how much that unlocks for people. And at Twitter, I like to think we really democratized the notion of being able to build an audience, speak to them. And we had many folks who would go on to become really big influencers on Twitter. And that's a really, really powerful concept. And that has really played out in a bunch of different distribution platforms across YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, and many others. And while that's a great concept and empowers influencers and content creators, it is primarily driven through the advertising machine. And advertising is the primary way creators make money on these platforms, which is great. But then it has some other downsides as well, where it does tend to promote sometimes too much of the flashy content or content that's geared to grab eyeballs rather than being truly meaningful. And on these platforms, creators are not necessarily able to build like the deepest relationships with their super fans. And Patreon really struck out to me as this player that has been around for some time now and has really taken the lead on this notion of really engaging deeply with your super fans and building a community and giving them access to exclusive content. And it's been the market leader in this category. And I think of this as a trend that more and more creators will embrace over time this idea of having a subscription business that sits alongside your advertising revenues lets you provide access to exclusive content, a community to your biggest fans, and have that be an integral part of how you run your business as a creator. And that mission really resonates with me. And then as I I talked to Patreon, I was blown away by the team here, by Jack, who's a founder CEO and a creator himself, and the passion he brings to this whole space and why he's 
got started on this mission and how deeply he cares about it is something that I find pretty unparalleled in the industry. Are you a patron of any Patreon creators that you might want to highlight in this moment? Yeah, so I am a science nerd. I like sitting with my daughters and talking to them about science. So there is this creator called Sky Show that puts out various educational videos on various science topics like how does your body work, how does immunity work, and other aspects of science as well. And I really enjoy those and I've been their patron for some time now. So I've been a patron of a number of creators myself. I've never been a creator yet, at least to date. So I know the experience is a very fluid, easy checkout process, and I get content from creators. But I imagine the technology must serve a wider array of tools and functionality that I, you know, as only a consumer haven't experienced. Could you give a rough understanding or just sort of general overview of some of the systems and what the technology is doing behind the scenes or maybe doing specifically for creators? Yes. So we think of creators as small businesses and we view ourselves as one tool in their tool chain to run their business effectively. And everything we do, we approach from that lens. And over time, our vision is to become a more fully featured suite of tools that allow creators to run all aspects of their business. But today what happens is creators come on board. They often hear about us through other creators. They see other creators making money on Patreon and they want to do that for themselves and they land up on our website and they sign up. After collecting some basic information, what the flow tries to get them set up on is the basic tiers of their membership. So how are you going to attract customers? Like what are your various price points and what are the benefits you offer each of the price points? So creators may have like a $5 a month tier where they offer access to exclusive content. They might have a $10 a month tier where in addition to content, they also offer access to community. And all this is super flexible and is up to the creator on how they want to structure their benefits and the various price points they want to choose. And over time, creators have gotten really creative. Well, I mean, they are creators and they are creative. So they've gotten really creative with the benefits that they have to offer, including things like putting their subscribers' names in the end credits of their video or even shipping physical merchandise to their members every month. So there's a wide array of benefits that creators offer on Patreon. And the core of the benefit that today Patreon provides them is this membership layer and a payment processing layer where creators can get charged on a monthly or annual recurring basis. And we take on a lot of the headache and the risk associated with that, like the payment risks, the compliance, operating in multiple currencies, being able to pay creators out in the currency of their choice. So there are various payment related things that we handle for them. Going beyond that, we offer them the ability to send really targeted messages to different tiers of their audience. So if they have a new video out and they only want to release it to their $10 a month tier, they have the ability to do that from within the Patreon product. And there's lots of room for improvement in our current product. And we see a big opportunity here as more creators embrace membership. And that's why we're in in this really rapid phase of growth on our team to help build all that out. What has been the experience at Patreon given the changes we've experienced related to the pandemic? Work from home, what they call the great recession, a desire for entrepreneurship and these sorts of things. Right. 
Yeah, so the pandemic has definitely changed the trajectory of Patreon in terms of just all metrics and the revenue growth and the creator acquisition growth have dramatically increased through the pandemic and in many ways pulled forward. I mean, we always believe, we believe in the long run we that every creator will embrace membership, but the pandemic in some ways kind of hastened that process and pulled forward a lot of that growth because a lot of creators moved from, in many cases, offline activities to having their membership be offered on Patreon. And also we have this use case around people supporting their favorite creators. And during the pandemic, the willingness to do that really increased. So we saw really healthy growth through the pandemic. And that's been helpful to really help set our product as differentiated in the market as well. Does that growth introduce any new technology challenges? Yeah, I mean, as with all scale, like there are definitely technology challenges that come with scaling. Like one of the things that we have going on on Patreon is that we are growing really rapidly internationally. Like we now have patrons from many, many different countries. We have creators from different countries and we have relationships that cross nations like a user in the United States, maybe a patron of a creator who is in India. So you have a lot of sort of compliance challenges to deal with, as well as payment currency related challenges. Like we want to accept payments in the currency of the user and we want to pay out in the currency of the creator. So there are some challenges related to that, having the notion of a redundant payment processor in every market. So there are various challenges that we are addressing over there. But more broadly speaking, I think with the product, apart from payments, I think one of the things that the growth has shown a light on is how much more opportunity there is in our core product. Like today, Patreon offers these membership primitives, but we do not have as much of an offering around content or community. And creators are often using other third-party tools for offering those benefits, which is fine, but it does lead to somewhat of a fragmented experience at times, which... There's a lot of like maybe much harder work than needed that creators have to put in to be able to offer content and the community benefits. And on the flip side, users also have to do so much more work and stitch together multiple different products to be able to get those benefits. And those the growth has shown a light on these areas that we can invest in and make dramatically better for our creator audience. Along those lines, are there any forthcoming releases or maybe something recent that you're excited about that you want to highlight? Yeah, we do have something in the works around what we call native video. And this is just a surprising thing that most creators, Patreon, expect that we would have already had, which is the notion of hosting on video on Patreon itself. And today, most creators, what they have to do is host a video elsewhere, often on YouTube or Vimeo and then post links to those videos on Patreon. And that model has some drawbacks in the sense that these creators often have to pay additional fees to either host those videos or they get subject to rate limits or they have the potential for content leaks because you know the content is only gated by a link and anybody who has access to that link can access that content irrespective of whether they are a patron or not. So this does introduce the potential of leaked content And for all those reasons, creators have always wanted a way to host content natively on Patreon. And this is something that we have been working on and we have 
it in basically a very limited beta with some creators and we're testing it out to see how it works and so far I've received uh, positive feedback but this is going to be one of those things that dramatically simplifies the product for new creators and provides a better experience to patrons as well. Well, I know it. the goal is to make it seem very simple and easy to the creators on all platforms, but that requires a lot of headaches and work behind the scenes to make it actually deliver very smoothly. Could you talk a little bit about the technology stack or some of the efforts to make sure you can get your system to run the way you want it in all places? Yeah, so video definitely poses a lot of challenges. So we've been doing a lot of work to look at things such as the smoothness of the playback experience, the latency of the upload, and all these metrics that really drive the quality of your experience. Like this is a flow that creators will be going through almost on a daily basis and patrons will be consuming multiple videos a day. So it's really important for this experience to be really frictionless. So we're really obsessive about the user experience, especially on mobile. We have a world-class mobile team that's looking at this mobile experience and our video playback experience and really innovating on it. We have, in some ways, a really large opportunity here because the playback experience that we have the opportunity to design doesn't have to conform to the same rules as many of the large distribution platforms that we are familiar with, right? Like, because for us, time spent is not a North Star metric. Our North Star metric is really how deep a connection can we facilitate between the creator and their subscriber. And with that lens, like what should the video playback experience be is actually something that is still to be figured out. And we view that as an opportunity. So for example, in many other video properties on the internet, we are used to this paradigm where you watch a video and and as soon as you're done, you immediately redirect it to another video. That inherently leads to sort of you having relationships with multiple creators and bouncing around between different types of content, which is valuable. But at the same time, that's not what Patreon is for. Patreon is often for going deeper into a particular type of content. So for us, when you're done with a video, it might be better to offer some sort of other experience like the ability to really go deep and and comment about specific parts of the video or really either converse with the community or the creator about the merits of the video itself. So we see a large opportunity in terms of like the core experience and how we can innovate on it, apart from the fundamentals of really making it world-class in terms of smoothness and upload speed and upload latency. Is the team remote or on-site or some hybrid option? Yeah, so we are actually big believers in the energy that comes from in-office collaboration. So we are still aspiring to be an office-centric hybrid environment. And that has, you know, admittedly been pushed back a few times because every time we feel like, you know, we are at the, we're around the corner and we are at the cusp of like returning, something else happens with the pandemic as I'm all, as we're all painfully aware at this point. But we still believe that it's it's really, really important to have that in-person collaboration, especially in user-facing components between engineering, product, and design. The ability for an engineer to prototype what the designer has mocked up and be able to hold up the device and play with the experience and think about where it can be made even better. There is just no substitute to that sort of in-person energy. And I'm sure we'll get to it at some point with online collaboration tools, but I don't think we're there yet. So 
for the moment we are an office centric culture we are growing in a variety of different locations though so we are hiring across san francisco new york and seattle which are some of the biggest talent hubs in the united states so we have access to a majority of the talent and yeah we still hope to return to the office what sort of roles are you looking to fill Really, all across the board, actually, our team is rapidly expanding. I've been at Patreon only for six months, and we've doubled even in that time period. And we've hired a mix of folks across the stack, backend, full stack, web, mobile. At this point, I would say we are really looking for those product-minded engineers, people who really obsess over providing the best quality experience to the customers and have an eye for the visual detail and are excited about bringing that to life through a combination of like modern technologies on web and mobile we have a fair amount of back end challenges as well particularly when it comes to scaling up and our user base is you know millions strong and growing so there's a number of challenges that come out of it on the back end scaling side as well we are deployed on aws so we always looking for people with cloud experience and data we're just in the process of starting up a growth team where it's actually pretty remarkable that our product has existed for as long as it has without us really looking at the funnels and trying to optimize them so there's a lot of low hanging fruit in terms of making every funnel onboarding sign up funnel really more frictionless so we're also looking for those data minded engineers who can come in and and work on those improvements with the data lens so really all across the board honestly Well, one virtue you described, I think your phrase was product-minded engineer, which at a high level, it seems intuitively important, but it's something I rarely see on like a college computer science syllabus of courses offered. Can you talk a little bit about what it means to be successful as a product-minded engineer? Yeah, I think actually there are schools and students you can come across that will immediately strike you as being very product-minded. I think for me, what that boils down to is imagine if the team did not have a pm or if the pm was really stretched thin and wrote a prd that left many gaps open which realistically like every prd has that where there are parts that are left unspecified because those are only discovered during implementation and what i really find sets some engineers apart is the ability to fill those gaps in a way that makes most sense from the user experience point of view there's a way to fill those gaps which is more sort of from a technology point of view like hey it'll be simplest if this corner case just behaved this way but if you look at it from the user point of view sometimes like what is simplest and most consistent from the code makes no sense from a user point of view and i think what i mean by product minded engineers are the folks who can put that customer mindset first and use technology as a tool to solve that core customer need and these kind of folks collaborate exceptionally well across disciplines uh, with product managers with uxers and these are the kinds of folks who will go the extra mile to put in that last animation in the app that makes it delightful these are the folks who will talk to the designer about every little pixel that is inconsistent with another part of the app and those are the little things that really set apart a good product from an excellent one and that's what we're looking for. And would you mind giving a rundown of maybe some of the frameworks or particular technologies, you know, languages, whatever the key tools are that the team has been most successful with? 
We have the fortune of being really up to date and modern with our technology choices, especially on mobile. So since we started somewhat late, we have our mobile apps, for example, on iOS, be in Swift and on Android, be in Kotlin, which are both like really beautiful languages and frameworks to work with. And I've personally enjoyed doing side projects in Swift on iOS. And that's basically the core language of choice on mobile. And we are using for our API GraphQL and implementation of that API on the backend side is based on Python. So that technology choice has served us well. I think on the web, we are starting to use Next.js and using React pretty heavily and using Python to serve our GraphQL API. So that's the stack that uh, that we are working with. There's a lot of developer productivity wins that we are getting by really just doubling down on uh, each of these uh, technology choices and making them fit really well. Because one of the things that's happening is as our engineering team is growing rapidly, we want every engineer to be able to come on and be productive right away. So we are really invested deeply in developer productivity and have a subset of our team just dedicated to looking at where do the inefficiencies lie in our developer uh, workflow and going and addressing them one by one. Are there any key insights that that team has been able to surface through the research they're doing? Yeah, I think there are definitely insights. I don't necessarily know if they're unique in the sense that every team or every company I've been at, these are the common problems that come up. I would say what we are unique at is we are taking a very proactive approach to these problems and we are trying to address them before they become even bigger problems. I think the most common failure mode I've seen from having led multiple teams is that developer productivity focus comes only when the experience has slowed down to a crawl and we don't want to go there. We want to proactively fix the problems. And the problems are, you know, the common ones that you encounter many teams in in the sense of like tests may be flaky. So just having an approach to really clamp down on any flaky tests and having owners assigned really quickly so that we can make those tests not flaky. How quickly do tests run, I think, is an important part. Like is the innermost loop of what a software developer's life looks like. And it's very, very efficient. If that in a most loop is very, very efficient, it leads to increased productivity. How quick is it to deploy changes to the website and how safe is it more importantly, right? Like, so the ideal is if it is quick and safe. So even if you make a mistake, which I am sure many of us will do, especially as we go through a period of rapid growth, there's going to be many new engineers on the team and uh, I'm sure we'll make mistakes. So we need to have the safety nets of not only an adequate amount of testing, but also the ability to do fast rollbacks if something does go wrong and the ability to look at a canary and and see if the newest deploy we put out, is it misbehaving in any way and being able to have that insight really quickly. Those are all the ingredients that go into a really smooth and efficient developer workflow. And that's what we are prioritizing to make all our new teammates really productive. I've seen a couple of different approaches to this team structure in that regard. You know, one school of thought is a team owns a certain microservice, they should own it end to end, all the metrics, all these things. And another school of thought that there's a DevOps group that would manage uh, all of the concerns and bring an expertise organization wide. And I'm sure many philosophies in between. Do you have a perspective or have any insight into how Patreon makes it work? 
Yeah, and I've worked in both models that you're referring to, and they both have their pros and cons. And I think more importantly, each model works better at a certain scale of engineers. When I was at Google before Patreon, when you have thousands of engineers, yes, you can have a central team, but that central team is going to be unable to talk to every customer at the company, let alone meet their needs. So obviously every product team then has to build their own parts of the solution as well that may be built on top of the common solutions, but it's still specific to that team. And then on the other hand, you take a much smaller team like where Patreon is at today, which is you know around 100 engineers and growing rapidly, you do not want to fragment too early because if you do, then different teams may end up choosing slightly different paths to the same problem. And you end up with a lot of duplicated work and not enough focus on any one team to be able to really become excellent at that problem. So if every team is solving their own observability needs or their own deployment needs in their own unique way, A, they won't be able to do a very good job given that they probably have like half an engineer dedicated to that. And B, they're likely to choose different paths, which uh, prevents sort of us becoming really proficient in one path. So at the scale that we are at, we are definitely choosing to go more the horizontal team route or the centralized sort of center of excellence around a particular task. So we do have an infrastructure or SRE team that is responsible for things such as observability, the health of our deploy process, the infrastructure around our services, and really becoming excellent at that so that other teams don't have to reinvent the wheel and can really use these things off the shelf for the most part. And if not, if it doesn't meet their needs, be able to talk to that team and and get those needs met. So that's the model that works for us at this scale, especially as we get bigger, we could definitely, you know, start going more down the vertical route where teams have their own specialized solutions. But I think we're a little bit far away from that right now. Well, the idea of people being independent creators is not necessarily new, but it's certainly been accelerated quite a bit in recent times by tools like Patreon just giving access to people who didn't have access to these things before. Do you have a sense or maybe any statistics on where we're at in the growth of this as a function of our overall economy? Yeah. So the creator economy is sort of a relatively new term, but Patreon has been operating in the creator economy from before the creator economy existed. I think we're still relatively early in the adoption of the truly independent creator. I mean, we definitely have independent creators operating on YouTube and Instagram and many other distribution platforms. But on these platforms, the creators don't necessarily own their audience. First and foremost, those customers are either Google's customers or Meta's customers, whatever the case may be. And they're only customers of the creator second. Whereas for Patreon, we really take the creators as small businesses and we really treat the users as their customers and we really believe in the power of the independent creator and really set them up to operate really independently including giving them email addresses of their subscribers so that they can reach out to them in any format any frequency that they desire so the adoption of this truly independent creator running a subscription business to supplement other offerings. While it's not a new one, I think we are still really, really early in its adoption. By most measures, 
less than 5% and by some measures less than 1% of the creators today are, have actually adopted the subscription model. So we have really a long, long way to go to really fill out that market. And I think over the next five years, almost every creator is going to look at membership and adopt it. And we definitely see a world where every creator will have a set of loyal followers that are paying them a certain amount of money a month. And uh, the creator is really providing access to exclusive content behind the scenes, a view into their lives, a community where the different fans can talk to each other and have direct access to the creator, be able to hang out with the creator in a virtual way. There's really no limit to the number of benefits that they can get over time. So we're really optimistic that that's where the future is headed. And Patreon's vision is to provide those creators with every tool they need to succeed as an independent business. Well, as we were discussing, the engineering team is growing. Can you talk a little bit about where the focus of these new people will be directed? Any particular initiatives or projects or new features you can highlight? Yeah. So the crux of our roadmap is centered around three pillars, which is basically membership, content, and community. So in some ways, what we have today is purely a membership product, which allows creators to spin up a membership and to be able to reach out to those members and certain tiers of members. I think there's a lot of room for improvement in that core product itself. Like we can make it dramatically simpler to adopt today. Most creators who come to Patreon to sign up and set up their membership actually don't end up finishing or don't end up succeeding in doing that because it's it's quite complex and, and you need to have a very, very firm idea of what you actually want to do with tiers, what benefits you want to offer, etc. And most creators often go looking at other creators to see what the, they are doing and then just copy that. And the product doesn't really help them at all through that process. So I think there is a lot of room for improvement in how we onboard creators, how we make it really easy for them to set up their membership. And then providing other primitives around membership as well, like annual plans, the ability to gift a membership to others, and it's just a really long list of things we can be doing to make membership more accessible and mainstream to creators. So that's one pillar. The second pillar is around content. We spoke about content a little bit earlier. We think there's a really rich experience that can be built on Patreon around content. So that's something that's definitely top of mind. And we're going to have a large chunk of our engineering bandwidth dedicated towards that. And then the third pillar is around community. And this is where I think we can go really above and beyond, especially at the intersection of content community as well. Like often what you want with a creator is to be talking to them about their new content. So it's really not just community and not just content, but the really intersection of those two. And I think as we start building out core offerings such as messaging and live streaming to be able to hang out with the creator, all these things start really coming together in a very meaningful package. So again, these are just kind of rough plans and not really a roadmap, but most of uh, what we're focusing the engineering team is to uh, go work on these three pillars around membership content and community. Do you have any perspective on the notion of a metaverse and how Patreon could facilitate creators being a part of it? Yeah. I mean, metaverse is definitely something that's recently been at the forefront and received a lot of attention. We view our role as really being there for the independent creator wherever they need us, right? In terms of spinning up their subscription business and other ways to support their business over time. So if that happens to be in the metaverse, if that's where the bulk of the customers are and that's where they want to consume 
their content and other services, then we'll be there for them. But so far, we just focused on the regular old methods of consumption via web and mobile. But of course, that can shift over as the adoption for Metaverse increases. Makes sense. Well, is there anything you're in particular excited about that you're working on now? I'm really excited by where this whole space is headed and the potential role Patreon can play in it. As I said, we are in the very, very early phases of uh, creators embracing an alternative revenue model of uh, subscriptions. And we will see over time really all sizes of creators, large and small, adopt membership. I'm really excited to offer them the tools to be able to do so in a frictionless and effortless manner. To be able to fulfill that, we have a lot of really exciting stuff to build around content and community and the membership layer. So I'm really excited to be able to build all of that, especially at a very, very high level of craft. We want to build really high quality experiences across both web and mobile and paying special attention to things such as like how fast our app starts up, like what's the battery consumption, what's the overall performance characteristic of our website, how fast it loads and you know all those other things that really make the experience delightful apart from the core functionality that's being offered. So uh, really excited about building all that stuff in a particularly high craft way. And the first thing that comes for that is building a really world-class team. And since I've been here only six months, that's where I've spent the bulk of my time in really hiring. And we've been fortunate to have some really amazingly talented people join us over the past six months and excited to be building this team and setting upon this very noble and great mission for creators. Well, there's a lot of engineers listening as well. If one or many of them are interested in what opportunities might be available at Patreon, what's the best place they can go to learn more? We have all our uh, jobs listed on our website. So if you search for Patreon jobs, you should be able to find it. Yeah, we look at all applications really carefully and we have a world-class recruiting team. So we have definitely, we pride ourselves in the candidate experience we can provide and, and we'd be really happy to chat with folks who reach out. Woodkarsh, thank you so much for coming on Software Engineering Daily. Thank you, Kyle. It was a pleasure talking to you.